Dunn spun away, looking, shooting! Dunn with a goal! What's good? Welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I am Andre Carlisle. I'm here feeling good, happy, real happy. There's been some great soccer, some great goals, so I'm always happy about that. Um, wanted to get into this episode. We got a fun interview for you guys, but real quick, you know, we thought we needed to touch on a few topics. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to talk, uh, I wanted to mention a review. Y'all still been leaving reviews, and I really appreciate it. It's been like, it's really, really helpful. And y'all are so nice. You're so kind. I love it. So I want to read one. I, t- I said before, and it was probably like a month ago before, <laughs> and I forgot. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to read this one, get back into that habit, because it's it, we really appreciate it. Cannot appreciate, uh, say that we appreciate that enough. Uh, this one was from VN Hercules. Hercules. Uh, <laughs> I, I had, <laughs> quote, I had, big, oh, great pod, highly recommend. Five stars. I love that. Thank you so much for the five stars. Said I had been searching for a good Woso pod and was happy to find one centering black women in the beautiful game, both knowledgeable and entertaining. What a great way to spend your day. That is lovely. Thank you so much, VN Hercules. So, Courtney, <laughs> I don't know why I did it again. Felt good though. <laughs> Courtney, how are you doing? I am good. And we also want to say happy Pride Month. Do not forget to support queer people in sports. There are a bunch of organizations that we linked um, in our tweet yesterday, um, specifically Athlete Ally and Playing for Pride. Um, both of them are raising money um, for queer rights and particularly Playing for Pride um, is raising money for equality through soccer. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to you know give a quick shout out about Pride Month. And even though there's been a lot of corporatization of it, and we're not going to delve into that because that's like... I feel like a whole series of podcasts on its own. Um, We did just want to say, you know, happy pride. And also there's been, we talked about this with Sarah, but there's been, you know, a huge spike in bills uh, really targeting trans kids and trying to ban them from playing sports. Uh, And so that's terrible. It shouldn't happen. Let kids be kids and also let kids play. So we'll be linking to a few organizations where you can support um, and really, you know, not have these terrible people just try to ban kids from being kids. Yeah. And on that note, actually, um, our pin tweet is still our conversation with Sarah. Um, find that, listen to that. If you haven't, we also threaded some resources there. So make sure you absolutely educate yourself, but also get involved and support, uh, donate whatever you got to do, whatever you feel compelled to do. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's how we gonna approach pride month because, I'm going to stay away from that corporatization point because, like you said, we could go off on a tangent. So, yeah. Happy Pride. Happy Pride, y'all. Yeah. Thinking there's been eight NWSL games since the last time we've recorded a podcast. Uh, Actually, yeah, it's been... I don't remember when the last time we recorded, but there's been a lot of soccer. And so there's a lot to go over, um, but we're going to keep it short and sweet because we do have a special guest on the pod that we are super... I am so excited about it. Uh, our upcoming interview. Um, but, you know, to get us quickly started, we're going to run down the league table, something we were all, we, all of us were expecting this to happen. Uh, so first off is Orlando Pride leading the league with 10 points, three wins, one tie. They're honestly just in great form. 
Yeah, the big thing that has them uh, on top of the league is no losses. Nobody's managed to defeat them yet. And they're the only team that that is true about. Everybody else has at least one loss. Um, Just incredible. I mean, it's weird, too, because when they were putting this team together, you know, even like 2019, you're thinking, okay, with the talent and attack they have, this team should be really good. And they just weren't. And it was interesting. Uh, And then I know the the coach caught a lot of uh, a lot of flack. Then I know even this season with Paul Riley saying they don't play football, uh, (laughs) they caught some more flack. But uh, they just keep winning. They keep balling. And Sid LaRue is back. She, I think Sid LaRue's done, about to do a Fran Kirby. She was gone, and now she's back. And, like, right back at her best level, they are a force. And that's, like, I understand it's early in the season, but it's still four games, three wins, one draw. Like, that's not a fluke. And I mean, for me, that's why I think she's just really been a standout player. Because not only, I know with Orlando Pride and everyone, and Alex Morgan has also been great. Like their attack overall has been great. Everyone has been talking about Alex Morgan. But I also just, you know, I'll give a little shout out to Sid LaRue because not only, well, first of all, she's incredible on social media. If you don't follow her, <laughs> get your life better because she's incredible to follow. Uh, the Donut Saga, so much fun <laughs> about who ate her donut. Um <laughs> But also, yeah, it's not just her offensive con- contributions, but so much of her defensive contributions. Like, I literally tweeted uh, when they were they were playing against Kansas City, and, uh, you know, Kansas City had a set play off a foul or something like that, and they hit the ball in, and all of a sudden I looked up and I was like, is that Sid playing in between both center backs? Center back Sid. So... I mean, and I mean, it was just kind of funny, but, you know, putting in the offensive and defensive contributions is so, so important. And I think to me, not many of their pieces have actually changed um, between this year and 2019. Besides, you know, obviously, you know, Sid getting back in full form, um, coming back into full fitness. But I just think like the coach was finally like, hey, let's uh, play a system that like really, really suits our attackers and let's like make it solid defensively and at the end of the day you know (laughs) what a concept playing to your players strengths galaxy brains exploding who would have thought (laughs) who would have thought uh so yeah shout out to orlando always um and then you know i'm going to run down the rest of the table and then we're just you know going to give some quick shout outs at number two is the spirit uh picking up two road wins uh six points out of six this week which i think Maybe was a surprise to some. Uh, yes. I mean, I think it was a little bit of a surprise to me, but, you know, still always good for them. Uh, and then it goes Portland, North Portland, who we're all expecting to be in third. Yeah, and, like, also started this week in, like, eighth. Super normal. Uh, but then it goes Portland, North Carolina, Gotham, Houston, uh, O.L. Reign, Chicago, Louisville, and Kansas City. So, Andre, out of this list and thinking about this past week, has anyone, you know, really surprised you outside of Orlando? A surprise is a tough one um, because I really don't think anybody has surprised me in like a good way, <laughs> right? Like I think I was expecting North Carolina to not drop off as much as they did, uh, but now they have Sam Mewis back and they looked great last time they played. So like that's not really. I think the big surprise there was that woof, North Carolina was looking rough. Uh, before mm-hmm. Sam Mewis arrived. That kind of was a surprise. And I'm also a bit surprised about Houston Dash. I thought that they would be able to maintain some of the level and some of the attacking transitions that really made them so good and led to them winning the the first iteration of the Challenge Cup uh, in 2020. 
and they haven't been able to, I mean, the Spirit beat them when they went down to 10 players in the 55th minute, and they ended up scoring a goal, <laughs> and yeah. the Spirit ended up scoring the match-winning goal there, and it's just, so I don't really know what's going on in, in Houston. They've played four, they've lost two, and that's that's interesting. And I also think the other surprise for me, and I think surprise for a good amount of people, is um, right now for Gotham, Midge is playing at right back, which is not something we were expecting because we are big free Midge and also had a whole tweet about that Midge was freed when she was listed as a forward. Um, and I don't know, I've, I'm, unfortunately, I'm of two minds about this, even though I feel like I'm of two minds about it several different things of I under like I definitely think she should start in the attack like she's an incredible attacker and if you want to win games you put your best attackers in the attack but I've also seen especially I'm thinking for example about the women's national team that's not necessarily always the case and and the reason why I'm two minds about it is because I understand for example like I remember watching the like when Gotham played Chicago also shout out to Mel Pugh been killing it Coming back into real 2016 form, really excited. Shout out to Malpew, just as Always. a little tangent. Pew, um, pew. When you tweeted that out, pew pew, my goodness. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I went extreme dad joke on the pod. People, people liked it though. <laughs> extreme dad joke. Also, also with the photo, it was just oh gosh, it was a lot. Um, but. For example, I remember looking at that game and thinking thinking kind of about the importance of if you're if a team is, you know, kind of clogging up your midfield or you're struggling to start an attack from the midfield, I can understand, for example, trying to put one of your attackers in the back line and like really starting the attack from the back line. But I also don't think necessarily like it's it's the best idea. And I think if it were not for potentially like a women's national team camps coming up, I would hope that Freya wouldn't do this. Of just like if your offense isn't clicking, just you know subbing and making substitutions. But maybe it's a little bit because oh, national team camp is coming up. But yeah, I'm like just put her in the front line. Like she, she's really really good there. Um, and I will definitely talk about this on another podcast. But I will say uh, there were people tweeting. I mean, people. I was also tweeting about it uh, about Midge as a number ten for Gotham, which I think is a great idea. And I'll explore it more in depth on another podcast. Yeah, I think that's where I default. Like, I kind of get it if that's how you're playing your fullbacks and your fullbacks are going to be, you know, really attacking. And especially if it's like to get her in the mindset, like you were saying, for, um, you know, the national team camp and, and friendlies, they got up, you know, trying to get her on that squad for the Olympics. Like, I can see making that compromise. I can even see Midge being like, hey, let me get familiar with this. You know, I've, I obviously have no idea if that's what happened, but I'm just saying I could see that being something um to get familiar because it is you know we've we've heard from crystal dunn it's completely different it's not the same and that's kind of the thing that i think gets lost when people just you know see a player who's you know they they think is just athletic or just that you know just pacey and they'll be able to get in stay in front of players and it's like nah it's not really that's not really the position right that's not Mm -hmm. really how you excel at that position it takes a lot to view the game from that read build up play from that position um, anticipate things from that position, you know, be an outlet because teams are pressing so much, you know, there, there's so many other things that go into that. And I think Crystal Dunn has been so like, I love that she's been open about that saying it ain't easy. 
<laughs> like, yeah, I'm fast, but that ain't easy. That like, I don't, I don't make this look easy because I'm fast. I make it look easy because I'm good. One thousand percent. Also, if you guys didn't watch the Gotham game, because uh, we are taking a little segue, but we will come back to the end of the episode. But if you didn't watch the Gotham game, uh, you know, a little understandable because at the same time, I was watching a WWE. UFC <laughs> MMA match uh, in D1 Arkema. <laughs> Leon versus PSG. The match a lot of us have all been waiting for ended in a nil-nil draw. But I think for most of us, what I was really seeing was just violence. Like, like quite simply, just like oh. violence all over the pitch. Like, what was it? Minute 10? Kadisha B. Cannon um, hit into... Sandy Baltimore and in a in a weird acrobatic way, uh Sandy like because of the nature of the contact, like Sandy Baltimore hit into her coach and then like fell on her side and you could hear because she fell really, really close to one of the um pitch side mics. You could hear her like screaming in pain, and then that happened and there was no card. Not a yellow card in sight. But then nope. five minutes later, Sandy Baltimore gets a soft yellow card for a push. Um, and so I think for a lot of us, I mean, besides PSG picking up the point that they needed and Leo not winning, um, the real standout from that match was the officiating. Yeah. And that's really unfortunate to have a match like that kind of just devolve into that. Um, you know, I, I obviously because, because Leon is on a 14 season trophy title winning streak, (laughs) Uh, I, of course, wanted PSG to do it. You know, they were on top by one point. Just like, please don't let the goal come. But in le- if it's Katarina Macario that scores it, I'll be fine. So, like, I was conflicted, but I really was hoping that PSG would do it. But the match just became a slog. And I don't think there were terrific chances. I do think uh, the post was hit a couple times, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like a complete bore of a match. But I think it could have been better. And it's really just, you know, we talk about this all the time, just game management with with referees. You know, it's part of your job is to make sure that the product out there and the players are protected and that you're allowing the game, you're putting the game in the best possible uh, environment to be a showcase. And I think that that didn't happen because of some questionable calls. Like you mentioned, that Sandy Baltimore one, I thought she broke a rib. Yeah, I was surprised when she came back in. I was like, how are you on the pit? Like, it was, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, kind of what we're talking about. Of, I mean, I thought that there were two, like, each team had um, each team had a penalty call that was missed. <laughs> and I was like, this is a clear penalty. Like, yeah. one of, like, you can't dangle your legs in between other legs. And the other one of, like, you can't pull an opponent down and have them hit into one of your defenders. Like, it was bad all around. Yeah, so, you know, but uh, ultimately, shout out to PSG. They did oh, it. All they got to do is is Friday coming up. Uh, they uh, PSG and Lyon play different teams at the same time. Their teams toward the bottom of the table, bottom half of the table. So they're not expecting any upsets. PSG wins that. Idol is theirs. Uh, yeah, and one last piece of Wosa news before I go back uh, a little bit to the NWSL is the treble winning FC Barcelona yeah. lost a game this season. Oh, well, lost a league match this season. Big surprise, upset by Athlet- um, Atletico Madrid. But I mean, I we were tweeting about it because it was like, what in the world is Mercury in retrograde? They lost a league match. Um, but yeah, that means that their uh, unfortunately their perfect season is over. But they still won 
their league, uh, Copa de la Reina, and the Champions League. So I feel like it's they're they'll be fine. They won't be heartbroken over <laughs> one league loss. They've got enough trophies to uh, to to cry themselves to sleep next to if they're really worried about their their unbeaten record um, in the league. Uh, but I mean, it was it seemed like a wild match. It ended ended four three. And I think in the last like ten or fifteen minutes, there were like three three goals or something. Like it was bonkers uh, it, to watch. So and Atletico seemed like that was their goal. That's what they wanted. They wanted to spoil that because they clearly aren't going to win anything else. Uh, so they really wanted to spoil that, and they did it. And shout out to them. Yeah, completely. Um, and so coming back to this is also related, but if you know, unless you've been under a rock the past um, few days, you've Probably seen what's happened with Naomi Osaka and French Open, where Naomi came out early on saying that she didn't want to do post game, uh, pre and post game pressers. She's still doing all the other press. Important to note, like on court interviews, still doing all that stuff, just not you know those post game press conferences. Um, and for that, she cited her mental health. She was really, really open and honest about it. Um, and you know. On a personal note, like always, kudos to being open and honest about uh, your mental health, especially when you have such a large platform and you know can inspire others to do the same. But uh, Roland Garros, as well as all of the other Grand Slam organizations, got it all wrong. Uh, was deeply idiotic about it, really. Um, and they're like, we support her, but if you don't start doing these press game conferences, like these post game conferences uh we might default you from this tournament and you know it was just bad all around but Andre I know you wanted to talk about this so I'm gonna throw it to you uh for your comments yeah so I'm just like real disappointed with a lot of the response even the people who seem sympathetic to or say that they're sympathetic to Naomi Osaka and mental health they still want to try and turn it into something like oh, well, her second statement was better than her first. That's the one she should have led with. And, you know, if she wanted to be strategic about this, I'm like, do y'all understand what mental health is? Do you understand what, like, not being in a great place really feels like? Like, she didn't owe us any kind of explanation. She said up front that she's been struggling and that she wants to avoid it. And I think she was as gracious as she could have been. And it's really disappointing to see that graciousness completely just, just seized on and just like torn to shreds because it was it's so undeserving when somebody tried to say like hey I'm struggling a little bit I still want to come out and do my job and like try, try to play tennis and play at a high level but I just kind of need this break and she even mentioned that like nothing against Roland Garros nothing against the journalists there like I just want to do this for for this tournament and they just went wild and they came came with it and it was weird to see the juxtaposition too because they're like. We, we understand and advocate for mental health, but we're going to kick you out of this tournament if you don't show up. And it's like, right. uh, <laughs> those two things can't exist. And so like for me, it, it really frustrates me that they wanted, it seems like they wanted her to suffer because she said, I'm going to pay the fines. She didn't fight the fines. She wanted to be a part of conversation going forward to say, hey, when an athlete is feeling something like this, we need to find a mechanism other than just finding them to where they can kind of be sensitive to these issues. And she didn't even have to do that. But that was, to me, that's an acknowledgement of her privilege and saying that a lot of players that don't make the money that she makes and don't win the grand slams may not have the ability to pay all the fines that she can pay. And so she not only was talking about kind of letting people know she wasn't in a great place, 
She was acknowledging her privilege and she was trying to help other people. You understand it? Like she didn't have to do any of that. Facts. And it's incredible that she did. And let's not forget Naomi Osaka is what? I think she's 23. She's 23? She's yeah, she's very young. I mean, so I like, can't say that because I'm also young, but she's <laughs> Yeah, she turned 23 in October. So, like, yeah, I mean, this is it's just so wrong to me on so many levels that this was the response to from so many people. And so I hope that she's all right. Um, I know she 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 withdrew from the tournament on her own, released a statement saying that she struggled with depression in the past and you know, she kind of feel herself there. And it's just like when you when you expect people to understand where you're coming from and you give them a little bit of vulnerability and this is what they do to it, it can really put you in a really bad place. And so I really hope that she's all right, that the people in her life are taking care of her and supporting her. It seems like they are. Um, I just am been so dis I haven't watched a single minute. I love tennis. I think it's yeah, my second too. favorite like the the Grand Slams are my second favorite like sporting events to watch. And I haven't watched a single minute and it's because of this. And if this is how they're going to do it, I just might be out all the way. And I, I'm, I just, I mean, not that that makes any difference, right. In terms of whether I watch or don't, but I, I just think it's so disappointing that, that Naomi gave what she didn't have to try to help other people. And that still wasn't enough. And it's hard to, I think it was uh, Amy Guetta on on Twitter who said, if Naomi Osaka was white, they'd be championing her championing her as an advocate for mental health. And I 100% believe that because mm-hmm. when it's like a suffering white woman, somehow people can access that empathy and be like, oh, she's struggling. Look how brave she is. And it's like, yeah, in a lot of cases, yes, that is brave. It's an important thing, but it shouldn't factor into, it, it shouldn't turn around when that person is Naomi Osaka and everybody's like, Oh, she wins Grand Slams. Just toughen up. She needs to go through it. Who cares if the media is mean to her? And it's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. None of that is actually having any understanding of mental health whatsoever. Yeah. And the one thing that I want to add, because I completely agree with um, you, and it's like really interesting to kind of think about it from the media side and people talking, well, two things. First, someone tweeting out, I can't remember who it was, being like, I mean, probably a lot of people tweet this. They were like, you signed up for this job. You have to do all aspects of your job. And I was like, first of all, I have had many, a supervisor, people I've worked with who have straight up not done parts of their jobs. So that is like a nonsense excuse in the beginning. And I'm not going to get any more, get into that anymore because I don't want to get fined. But well, there, well, there's only, there, is, well, there is one other thing to say about that. Her job is actually to play tennis. That's it. Fact. That's her job. Like, I think that talking to the media is important. Like I am in the media, so I am obviously have a bit of a bias, but I do think it is important for media to have access to players, but not at the expense of their mental health. So there needs to be like, there is space there to make adjustments, to be more human in those spaces. And it's really unfortunate that she tried to do that. And this is how she was met. This is what she was met with. But her job, number one job, which she was really, really good at. Just Just look at the trophy cabinet, go to the Wikipedia, (laughs) take a scroll. Her number one job is to play tennis, and she does it better than anybody else on the planet right now. Yeah, and and the one the other thing I want to add to that, it was really interesting to kind of watch this unfold from journalists, particularly journalists of color, and like like journalists of color um, and women journalists, and just seeing oh, and also queer journalists too, but seeing how they understood where she came from 
and we're really treating the situation with compassion while also understanding that they are journalists and that like they fundamentally, you know, for most of them need these press conferences to fully do their jobs, but also understanding the system that is in place in, I mean, sports generally, but tennis specifically where people like I've been seeing it day in and day out of like old interview questions asked to Serena and Venus and being, and then being absolutely deeply like nonsensical or some of them outright racist um and so and like that's what the one thing that I think out of this entire situation that I really did notice of just the importance of having honestly non-white cisgender hetero men in the room and how that not only shapes their coverage but also will change how or like hopefully you know hopefully change how a lot of these things are conducted and it's not and also so it's not just like the same dumb question of you lose and then you come to the post game presser and they go okay well what happened and it's like okay well i mean that's like not a helpful que- question because i don't know that's going down a different tangent but i would um 1000 recommend because one uh thread that and like this person has also been retweeting other threads but um her name is soroya mcdonald and she writes at the undefeated 1000 percent like just search her um on Twitter, we'll link to her thread in the show notes. Um, but to me, that thread like really encapsulated how I felt as a journalist, but also as a black woman being in these spaces that are, you know, majority white and also not necessarily women's soccer, but other sports of majority male too. So I would um, 110% recommend that everyone go read that and we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So get ready for a very fun interview. Jorian. Welcome joins us from Rossing Louisville, Racing Louisville. She hates that I say Rossing. You'll hear that. Uh, it's really fun. We have a great conversation with her. Uh, it was really, really fun. I can't like we knew that uh, we knew that when uh, Courtney tweeted from the pod account about Jorian coming onto the pitch and her edges were laid, and then she scored. We were like, we got to have her on the pod. Luckily, she said yes. And so we had a fantastic conversation. We know we know y'all are gonna love it. So without further ado. And welcome back to Diaspora United. We are here with Jorian Bochum. We are here joined by a Rossing Louisville legend. <laughs> yeah, I say Rossing. We're going to get into it. Jorian just rolled her eyes and bowed her head. <laughs> She's not feeling it, but that's all right. We're going to work on it. <laughs> but we are here to talk to Jorian a little bit. Uh, Jorian, how are you doing? You know, doing well. We uh, leave for Portland tomorrow. I was just talking about that, ready to hopefully catch this dub and just another day in the life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we want to talk to Jorian a little bit about, you know, her career in the soccer, but then we're going to talk about some fun stuff. We're going to get into a bun. Not the soccer isn't fun. (laughs) Didn't mean to exclude by exclusion, Uh, but we also want to, you know, y'all know how we roll here. We also want to talk about a bunch of other things, you know, outside of soccer. So, um, but first, kind of talk about if you want to inform us a little bit about kind of your your overall path into uh, soccer, where you started, um, and then we'll talk about some more things in depth in terms of stops that you've had along the way, but just how did you get into soccer, who was the motivation, and all of that? Cool. Um, 
so I started playing when I was four. I was, I mean, I still am an only child. And so, you know, my parents just wanted me to get into different activities, sports. So I did soccer. I've ran track. I played basketball, volleyball, kind of just all over. And soccer ultimately stuck with me. I felt like that was the most fun. I was the best at it. Um, And then just obviously transitioning into like higher levels as I went on throughout my life and went to LSU for college, which was an unreal experience coming from like Arizona to Louisiana, just completely different culture, the people, the food, the environment, sports in general out there was like a religion to them. Um, That was super cool. And then obviously transferring, going to Colorado at CU Boulder, uh, again, different culture shock going from like one extreme to another and kind of integrating and like finding myself there as well. It was my senior year. So, you know, that's always tough. Um, leaving a program and starting your last year with completely new people and coaches. And yeah, I mean, and then from there went to, like you said, I've had a lot of obstacles (laughs) in my path. I ended up not getting drafted, which was, um, you know, everyone has their own, you know, way to get to the pros. And that was definitely like unfortunate and a mental struggle that I dealt with for a bit. And ultimately, you, as the older you get, you realize that that doesn't really matter. Everyone can eventually get to the same path doing their own thing. And um, from injuries and dealing with that, I went from not making the team at the rain to then going overseas and playing in the Czech Republic. Got to play in Champions League, unreal experience. Went from there to Houston, signed as a national team replacement player. And then that's when COVID hit. So they couldn't sign me that following season. So it was just like one thing after another, ended up in Germany randomly, um, playing with one of my best friends from Colorado, which was super cool. And then after my first half season in Germany, came here for preseason at racing. And, you know, here we are. No, that's good. And yeah, I mean, the path, especially as NWSL, you know, just not as many teams as there need to be and all of that. So it's just like really, really tough. So like going through Mm -hmm. all that, I'm sure it's, it's difficult. But one thing, backing up to all of it, like the one thing I'm always impressed about and always curious about for professional athletes is like when you're playing the sport on like the youth levels, you know, when you're young, before you sign with the team or even before you go to like college, unless the realization happened in college, mm-hmm. like I knew I wasn't going to be a professional athlete pretty early on, <laughs> right? Like most people are like, this ain't, gonna, this ain't my path. This ain't my ministry. It ain't happening. Uh, but when did you realize like, hey, I can make a living doing this. Like I'm really good. Um, I would say yeah like you said during uh the club team that I played for we were at the time I'm not even sure there's so many different organizations now in the youth level and like with the academies and all of that whereas when I was still playing it was ECNL ODP here and there regional stuff and the club team that I played for we happened to be really good we would win state cup every year go to regionals um, ECNL, we actually made it to the semifinals one year. I got the golden boot, I want to say 2017, maybe. So I was like, okay, maybe I can like do this soccer thing. Scoring goals is my thing. Uh, and then 
obviously the recruitment process for college starts, I think it might even start even younger at this point, but, you know, starting to think about in high school, like where I wanted to commit to, what would best suit me as a player, developing to where I want to eventually get to. And I think also being invited and playing at the youth national team levels helped a lot. Um, I would train with the boys teams when I was a club player. So just anything to help increase my level of game. And then I want to say it was my sophomore junior year of high school is when I finally decided to commit to LSU, which was kind of, um, it's a stressful decision. (laughs) And it was actually a school that I just never thought I would actually end up going to, you know, people think of women's college soccer, like LSU is not going to pop up and they always think of the big names. And that's actually kind of my interesting take on college soccer, because I did have the possibility of going to the well-known top programs in women's college soccer. I had UNC Chapel Hill and LSU as my final, like two deciding colleges. And I thought it would be cool to try and make a name for LSU, build their program, show that I could still stand out and develop my game as a player at a not as well-known school. And obviously for SEC soccer, there are still really good teams in that as well. It was like Florida at the time, South Carolina, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So still mm-hmm. just you're playing at top, like you know you're going to play against a team that's going to be in the tournament every year. So it was more so just trying to show people that you don't have to be at a top level or top known program to still succeed and get to where you want to be. Yeah, 100%. And one thing that I am particularly interested is, you know, post college, I mean, you mentioned that you went from Arizona to LSU, (laughs) which I know was probably crazy culture shock. And then going to Colorado was also culture shock. Uh, And then you go over to uh, Sparta Prague and you play in the Champions League. So I guess I'm curious what that journey was like Um, and, you know, being able to like not only, you know, play in the Champions League and probably growing up and knowing about its existence, but also just like living in the Czech Republic. Yeah. So just, you know, hitting one extreme after another, Uh, the Czech Republic, Prague was one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to, like hands down. And from a culture standpoint, it was super shocking because, you know, I was clearly the one that stood out like a sore thumb, like everywhere I went, like, not to sound dramatic, but people would literally stop and ask. They just knew I was different. They would say, oh my gosh, can I take a picture or can I touch your hair? Like, where are you from? What are you mixed with? Like, just the most unreal things you could think of. And it was like, I felt like I was being viewed like I was in an art, like an art museum or like on display. And I just think um, it's weird to think about that. People don't understand how much like you do stand out per se, because that was kind of a struggle I've had with growing up. I know I'm not like I've had almost like a identity crisis of not knowing like where I fall just because I am biracial. I have a black mom, white dad, and it's either I'm too white and I'm not black enough or it's like, you're the black girl. You're known for being out here and being the one person of color on like the team. And so going to the Czech Republic, obviously at the end of the day, you're on a team, you're all collectively like working toward the same goal, but I still always felt like very alone internally. I was always the one standing out. I had no one to truly like relate to me or understand what I was going through. And 
I actually ended up making friends with some of the the male players that were like from Africa and different regions of the world and they like shared their experiences and it was actually pretty powerful because that was the one time I finally like experienced like discrimination in a sense or hearing what they've went through like they've had fans being like not being allowed to go to the stadium because of banana peels being thrown and like monkey chants at the male players and stuff like that. And it was like, this is really real. Like we were in 2019 or 2020 at the time. And it's like, people don't understand that this is still like very real and happening. And yeah, I was like, I want to tell people I'm like, the city is beautiful, but like people just don't understand like what truly happens behind the scenes of like being a player of color, like within sport can be extremely like tough at times. And you're starting to see more players of color. There are other Black women on the team with me as well. And But it was still, I can't even like find the words to explain. It was still just like a sense of feeling alone. Like people are slowly starting to understand like Black women in sport and like representation is growing, but it's still tough because you can't just turn to your teammate or turn to your roommate and like share how you're feeling because they just truly don't understand it. But you like need to get it out to someone and explain like what's going on internally because I think a huge part for me growing up was dealing with a lot of like internal like mental struggles that obviously like mental health is super important and like athletes can't stress it enough but I think experiencing different parts of the world and going from like one extreme to the other it's a lot to take in I felt like we can backtrack to LSU like I got there and it was like oh you're the white girl or you're not black enough because of like I'm too light whereas like growing up my whole life I was the only black girl in all my classes and growing up and in clubs and like I get to see you and it's like I'm back to being like one of the only black people like period on campus aside from like the athletes so it's like a forever where do I land where do I fall and it kind of sucks at times but lately I've just been trying to embrace myself as a black female soccer player and like showing others that I think it's like I try to emphasize that it's literally not the shade of your skin. Like there's melanin across the board. It does not matter how light or dark you are. Like at the end of the day, you are a strong, like powerful black woman. And I had to grow up and like tell myself that getting older and like I'm slowly embracing that more and more each day and having like other role models that I can like look up to as well when back then it wasn't as heavy. So I hope that I can fill that role for other like young players now that can say like, oh, she looks like me. I can do that. It's tangible to become a pro. I can still stick with this. Cause I think that was like a big issue that myself growing up, I never really had many black female soccer players to look up to. And luckily I had Sydney LaRumi and her played for the same club mm-hmm. team. So she was almost as if like a mentor, like role model figure for me, which is extremely nice to have. And like me and her caught up after we played each other for our home opener of the challenge cup this year, which was really awesome. And I just don't think people understand how important it is to have representation. So I think I kind of, yeah, learned about all of that throughout my different parts of the world, college soccer, all of that. Yeah, I was going to say, there's just, you know, thinking about that, you know, Courtney kind of touched on on the extremes, you know, Scottsdale, Mm -hmm. Arizona, Louisiana, (laughs) LSU, right? We're talking like, now, how far away is that campus actually like from New Orleans? It's about like an hour. It's not too bad. Yeah. So it's accessible. <laughs> like I, in a day, if you wanted to go down to New Orleans, you can go down to New Orleans and have some fun. 
yeah, I got to experience Mardi Gras, all of that. Mm. Just a quick little drive down the road. Nice, nice. Yeah, that was and uh, I know you mentioned, and I want to I get back to what you were talking about, but I want to, one of my favorite cities in, in, in this country is New Orleans, just because it feels like it shouldn't be in this country. <laughs> like, it's almost like we yeah, don't I deserve people, New Orleans. <laughs> you have to go once. I tell people, I'm like, you need yeah. to experience it one time from the cold to the food oh yes. you have to oh yeah I would definitely say that's like one of my top cities as well I was like luckily I play a sport and can run this all off but the food <laughs> I'm like y'all gotta stop feeding me <laughs> right that was kind of gonna be a, a question I was gonna say if I play anything in in, in that close to New Orleans mm-hmm. I ain't doing well enough to play, <laughs> to play it on a professional level I'm done <laughs> so shout out to you <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, right. I mean, just kind of getting, <laughs> yeah, just kind of getting back to it, just like the constant culture shock, right. You know, Scottsdale, Arizona, Louisiana, you know, Colorado and Czech Republic, where they're looking at you, like we ain't even seen you. And, you know, that's, it's don't really want to want to dwell on this too much, you know, cause we, we do want to talk about, you know, lighter things and not, not always have like a heavy thing, but I think it's real. And I think your experience is, is really important too, because, you know, <laughs> it just it's perspective of wherever you are right like you said you were the white girl and then you were like black and it was and even like black with like black meaning everything negative the way that they were treating in Czech Republic at least if not you specifically people who look like you and and other black players like you mentioned the black male players I just wonder like and I know there's not like a solution for this but how in your mind did you kind of like reframe and like focus on playing soccer throughout all of that because that's just a lot to have weighing Mm -hmm. on you at one time and I just like can't even imagine having to like also then perform at a professional level uh for me personally I would say because a certain situation happened to me so young as a little girl like while playing club soccer kind of showed me like hey this is real it's going to happen for the rest of your life you just need to find a way to tune it out keep going. And I know that's easier said than done because sometimes it can get really harsh, but the reality of it is like people, certain people just suck and it's going to happen for years to come. And something for me is kind of just, Hey, keep playing your game. You know, you're good. Or someone were to say something, just shut them up with the goal or a win or like literally any way possible just to tune them out um, has kind of been my thing. And it's, even outside of soccer, it's very easy for me to tune out like negative things. So I think that's luckily a good thing for me. But yeah, I think just having to go through that at such a young age kind of showed me that it's going to happen. You're just going to have to be strong and build yourself up as the older, more mature you get to realize. Yeah. Um, and so actually, my cousin studied abroad uh, in Thailand. And she I remember one time I was FaceTiming with her and she had at the time she had um long like blonde braids they looked great on her but I remember she she was telling me that like people would come up to her and act like kind of act like she was almost like an influencer if that makes sense would ask to take photos which I was like that is absolute insanity to me um of just like I yeah and I, I also don't want to dwell on this but it was just like a I don't know sometimes it's like kind of crazy to realize just like the amount of like ignorance um around the world but I do have a question kind of at least moving to a different European country um 
you mentioned that you played, well, you played for uh, MSV Duisburg in the Bundesliga. And one thing mm-hmm. that I am curious about, so we did an episode about the, the diversity of from Bundesliga, the WSL, uh, like a couple leagues in Europe, um, and also the NWSL. Um, and one thing that I noticed, at least look, kind of looking at the team sheets in the Bundesliga, was that it was almost like kind of, as opposed to the NWSL for the most part, where you kind of have, you know, black players across the league on a bunch of different teams in the Bundesliga, it was kind of like little clusters. Um, and so I was curious to know what your experience was like playing in the Bundesliga and then kind of at least comparing like playing wise from the Bundesliga to the NWSL. Cool. Uh, yeah, like you said, there was definitely more like diversity when I was living in Germany and I actually really enjoyed my time there. I mean, like I said, I had one of my best friends from college playing with me at MSV, which like helped a lot because I think I'm the main thing that's hard to grasp when you're going to another country is that you could potentially be alone or like trying to make friends and the city I was in actually was super small so I didn't get to really venture out much and then with COVID it kind of got worse as I was living there but playing in the Bundesliga was actually unreal it was so much fun and again playing at MSV kind of like having flashbacks to my college times at LSU, like we weren't that well known in the Bundesliga. We weren't doing well. We were at the bottom of the league. And I just remember my debut game with them and scored against a team that I actually had a preseason match with when I was playing in Prague, small world. Um, But yeah, I think my experience there was actually really enjoyable and being able to play against some of the best teams in the world, literally playing against Wolfsburg twice, who obviously progresses and gets to at least the semifinals each year of Champions League. They just played mm-hmm. Chelsea. And it was crazy to be like, wow, like I really played and competed against some of the best women players like in the world. And even having Bayern come here for our International Women's Cup, that's in like August I think it's going to be really cool too for them to come and experience like the different like styles of American soccer versus European soccer which that in itself I think it's slowly growing like I think with German soccer people think like the German women's national team very strong athletic direct and it's slowly translating to super technical like I think I unfortunately didn't get to play against Bayern so that'll be cool having them come out here, but playing teams like Wolfsburg, Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, like they were so technical, just the pace, athleticism of all the girls, everyone's like five, nine and up. So I'm like, thank God I have my height. I can get up there. But um, And then I think coming to the NWSL, obviously, again, super skilled. Everyone plays quick, one, two touches. I feel like you hardly see people relying on like athleticism or speed. Like it's becoming a, a style of play that incorporates everything, which is, I feel like that's what's helping me here is getting my tactical ability back. Whereas at MSB, they did emphasize like on pace and athleticism, which uh, just to see how women's soccer is like truly evolving from like technical abilities to everything across the board, honestly. And I know my experience with MSV having to play in like a giant stadium and the way they treat us and 
facilities, everything like that is I've lucked out and coming here at racing, the facilities here, like unreal. Cause I know that's always kind of a, a big issue at certain clubs within the NWSL and here you're truly treated equal, you know, USLT here as well. And it's been unreal to say the least. I think I've truly lucked out being here. No complaints from the locker rooms to our meeting rooms, the cafeteria. It's just certain things that players don't understand and like probably take for granted until they don't have it. And it's like, wow, we are treated extremely well here as a club. Right. And just to repeat again, can you say the name of the club that you play at just for Andre? Um, Racing, not rusting. <laughs> but... <laughs> You can still do you, but I'm going to stick with racing. <laughs> oh, man, I've been called out. It's rough. Uh, I, I got to stick with it because that's what I said. I was going to basically. It's hey, like, yeah, you know, you're committed. <laughs> I had a real internal struggle. I was like, am I really going to say this when I'm talking to Jorian? And then I just went with it. So, you know, um, I may regret it later or immediately or right now. We'll move on. <laughs> um, so. One thing I want to talk uh, about, because you mentioned you mentioned Rossing and, and how they roll and that that, you know, the facilities and everything like, no, you came and, and you know, what were you trained with them in preseason? And they ended up signing you. Is that is that how that went down? Yes, sir. Um, it was ultimately having to make a decision whether to go back and continue my career in Germany or to try mm-hmm. and prove myself in preseason coming in with no guarantees, no mm-hmm discussions of a contract anything is strictly like prove yourself prove that you belong to be in this league this is another chance to show that you do belong here and can compete with some of the best players and having a two-month-long preseason was unreal in itself yeah (laughs) that was new and once I finally got that meeting and discussed about signing here I literally started crying. So I just think Mm -hmm. like, it's just been such a process to finally get here. And I knew my ultimate goal was to play here in the NWSL and just having, like I said, different obstacles, having to go to different parts of the world in order to get playing time and not getting drafted and tearing my ACL my junior year, I think is what Mm -hmm. really messed with me the most going into like my senior year, knowing that I had to have another whole year of recovery and getting my mental and physical back right to perform at CU, which was another thing in itself. It's like, wow, I tore my knee and I was supposed to be going to a new school. Like, how is that going to happen now? How is that going to work? I need to make sure I'm healthy and back in it to show them that I'm committed because I'm about to be with a new team. Mm. And just going through things like that and finally being able to say, like, I've made it, but I'm not where I want to be yet. This is only another step I need to take. And it's been, it's been like a really humbling journey, honestly, to get to where I am today. Yeah, that's, in, that's kind of incredible. And I wondered, like, you know, I'm glad you mentioned it because I did wonder about the emotion of that. You know, you really just like, I'm going for it. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with this team preseason, no guarantees. And then like, once you realize that like they're signing you, it's just got to be like, just, just straight up either collapsing or just running in a full sprint until you can't run no more. <laughs> <laughs> literally all the above <laughs> certain people <laughs> thought I was crazy because they're like, literally they're like why would you leave when like you know you have a set deal there and it was just I don't know something I mean that was like look you know you're good enough you need to have that confidence to come in and show that you can be a part of this league and 
like I said, it was just an emotional process all around. So when it finally happened, yep, cry. I can't say I do that often. <laughs> when I do, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a huge moment. So on that, and and it's it's kind of like, I think it's interesting to think about that process and how you've gotten there. You know, that was that was just, you know, what, a few, few months ago, right? Just a couple months ago. And to this situation, you know, with Chloe at the Academy, you know, going to see her play, you know, that mm-hmm. when you talked earlier about representation, I mean, that's kind of like, that's it, Huge. right? So how did that come about? Um, were you contacted and asked to go watch the game or did you just do it on your own? Like, how did that work out? I... After receiving that first um, tweet that she tagged me and like rocking my hair like Jorian for game day and she had the bun up and was just so excited to play, that's when it hit me that it does matter. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm a brand new player in the league, like you said, like no one knows who I am, no one cares, but it's like, look, they do. You do have young girls looking up to you. You do have players that see you and see them in you as well and so when she posted that you know it started blowing up people recognizing that and understanding that representation is key so when it came to her game I just happened to see her coach and I reached out I said hey I know y'all have a lot of games going over over the weekend I would love if Chloe's playing to just show up support her say hi to the team so it's just going out of my way knowing that I had time and like I wanted to go and do that and make it known that I do want to reach out to her and show her that, like, you know, all athletes, we're all people too. It's not, um, I feel like people always think like athletes, we're not people. (laughs) Like, yeah, I, on the weekend, my free time, I can come out and watch some soccer. I don't mind doing that and like interacting with players. And so I think it was just a super cool moment to surprise her. And she literally had no idea, just walked up with a couple of my other teammates and awesome. It's yeah, it's awesome to see their faces like literally in shock that you have the new women's pro team players coming up to your game and like trying to have conversations and supporting you and watching you play. It was a really cool experience for sure. Yeah, and I and so I grew up playing soccer. Um and for the long I mean, I didn't really go natural probably until it was 2021. I may have been natural for like three-ish years. Um, but I remember, for example, like growing up and playing soccer and, you know, always wanting to have like straight hair and relaxers and things like that. And like not, and also like really not seeing any professional athletes for the most part, like playing with just like, I mean, my hair is fundamentally, it just does its own thing. <laughs> just as curly hair. Feel that. <laughs> it just, I, I just let it live his best life. And I'm like, I'm just here for the ride. Um, but I do want to talk about, uh, like, I guess the importance, not only of seeing, or sorry, I did want, I am curious about your general hair care, um, as a person, I mean, I have super curly hair, so I know, you know, wash day, detangling, like, honestly, detangling is an arm workout on its own. Um, but what is, Preach. you know, <laughs> So what is uh, your hair care routine like? Um, at, yeah, especially as like, you know, a professional player where it's, you know, you sweat and work out all the time, needing to wash your hair more often, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said it yourself, like growing up, I always had my hair straight. I relaxed it. I had 
weave in. I put braids in. I did it all because I wanted to make myself look like the people around me. And I truly didn't start embracing my natural hair until about my junior year, senior year in college, I want to say. And I was like, you know what? Rock your fro, rock your curls. And having the process of trying to get my hair back healthy and developing my growth pattern again, my curl pattern, all of that is just such a process in itself. I'm still learning. I couldn't even tell you the amount of products and different brands I've gone through so far. Even right now, I still have no idea. I've tried um, currently... My eco style gel is coming in clutch for the edges and keeping the slick down during all the rain out here. <laughs> um, Shout out to eco styler. I feel like everyone has a good eco styler product. <laughs> have to, as long as you have a tub of that and toothbrush, you're set. But <laughs> um, yeah, I actually like. I couldn't even tell you the last time I washed my hair as bad as that sounds. That's what works best for me. And so when I do. I've actually tried the new pattern brand I've liked so far. I do shampoo, condition, leave-in conditioner, wrap my hair up. When I want to do the full-on process, you know, you get the deep conditioner and put it up in the cap. And the next day, hopefully it comes out looking right. Because like you said, you wake up one day, you just don't know how your curls are going to come out. You don't know how it's going to like work Every with the time. weather. It's literally up for debate every time. So people are like, oh my gosh, what did you do today? I said, I do the same thing every time and they look different each and every time I do my hair. So I can't help you all on that. But yeah, my main thing is leave-in conditioner and then a curl gel is key because I usually just let my hair either naturally dry or I'll literally blow dry it on high heat, which I know some people completely hate and disown, but that's what works for me. I've tried the diffuser. I've tried the rods, awful hot mess with my hair coming out looking terrible. Um, I'm queen of washing goes. I can't do anything else. I can't at this point. I've learned that sometimes I'll even get out the shower and not even put anything in it and I'll have the best hair day of my life. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) Isn't that the worst? You you like I, it's it's so frustrating. Funny. It's like you do all these things. I mean, I know this because I just got my hair cut like for the first time in forever a few weeks ago. And it's like they do mm-hmm. all these things. And of course, my hair came out really, really nice. And then sometimes I feel like, you know what? Sometimes I'm just gonna like go just like put some like put a little bit of cream, a little bit of gel. Like I'm just not gonna do anything fancy. My hair is like oh beautiful. And then you put in like all the things. It's like this is gonna be my best hair day ever, and your hair comes out looking like absolute trash. Um, but I did want to mention going back to, uh, your first game with Louisville. Um, so when you first came on the pitch, I, uh, I tweeted from the podcast account saying Jory and Balcom on the pitch with incredible edges. And I'm not joking. (laughs) Like 20 seconds later, you scored. And I just felt like that was like a moment where it was like, she needs to come on the pod because we need to talk about this moment. (laughs) So what was it like with your first NWSL goal? I can't even explain the excitement I had. I mean, I rushed. I was just running all over the place, like chest bumping everyone. Our whole team was hyped. I have such a great team surrounding me. And, you know, having to say like your first NWSL goal was against the North Carolina Courage. I was like, wow, this is like real life. This really happened. I was still in shock, like 
seeing it being posted and people congratulating me, I was like, wow, this <laughs> really happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of blacked out if I'm being real honest with you. <laughs> I just was like, oh my gosh, this is your one chance. You're in the box. The goalie's right here. Like just one touch of this and see what happens. <laughs> but it was really cool. I, like I was saying earlier, even the sole fact of just being signed here was almost like enough in itself for me. I was like, okay, you made this next step. What's after that? And having, just having the excitement and like being able to tell people like I did score my first goal for this club is it's a really good feeling for sure yeah no doubt and especially to get it against the courage that's like I, I was, that's that's just yeah awesome. I just had to slide that in there <laughs> you know it had to be against the courage first <laughs> just throw that in there you know you know Paul Riley always likes to have uh feel like the underdog anyway so, that, so, so, so there you go you might as well <laughs> Yeah, that um, was awesome for sure. So not only are you NWSL professional athlete and here balling for Rossing Louisville, <laughs> you're also a gamer. Yeah. <laughs> also a gamer. Can we can we talk about the gamer? Like, how did this kind of like come about? Have you always played video games? Like, how into you on it? And you know, I don't know if your coach or anybody will listen to this, but let's act like they won't. So you just like be honest about how many hours a day you've been playing video games. <laughs> yeah, are y'all sure this isn't going to them? Uh, <laughs> I am like obsessed. Like it sounds so nerdy, but like I said, being an only child, I kind of enjoyed my alone time and like being super independent. So I think I had every gaming console you can think of handheld the actual system growing up on the road I'm always just playing a video game or even if I don't have my system with me I'm playing some type of game on my phone so yeah I think um my favorite back in the day the classic GameCube my parents had the Nintendo 64 you know the old school Super Mario all of that um and then now I was one of those freaks when the PS5 first came out. I'm like joining every raffle, seeing I had like 20 different tabs open, like seeing when they would like be in stock, when they'd be released, like calling my parents because it came out while I was in Germany. So I'm like calling my parents at ridiculous times, like mom, best buy, it's about to happen. Get on there (laughs) or like anything possible. So my parents actually... I don't know how they pulled it off, but that was one of my Christmas presents from just this last year. And like, I had of like, just straight excitement, like ready to play my game. Like I know that sounds so bad, like who cries over a video game console, but I was like, oh my God, I've been wanting this forever. Like, how did you guys find this? Yeah, I think I play, <laughs> I'm not gonna throw out a number training I'm on for a minute (laughs) girls that game all my guy friends will be like not even like hey Duran how's your day going it's like yo hop on like we need you in the squad or it's like are y'all serious you can't even ask about my day I have to immediately just hop on the game but like I'm not going to complain about it you know I'm about to hop on (laughs) (laughs) you're like wow that's crazy y'all don't care anyway (laughs) (laughs) right but like where we drop it (laughs) yeah um, you know, I have the headset, 
the PS5 is coming out with these two brand new controller colors and I pre-ordered mine. Like I am deep in this, you know, <laughs> can't, no shame, no shame. Call of Duty is my main go-to, but I think growing up, you know, I had, and I was a big GTA player. I know that might look bad on my parents letting me play that young, playing Grand Theft Auto and doing all of that. But I was like, wow, I could just sit here for hours playing whatever game and be perfectly content. Like zero social interaction. I'm the worst. When's your Twitch channel coming out? Ooh, we all Twitch gotta dropping? subscribe. <laughs> yeah, when's the Twitch dropping? It's in the works, you know? I feel like at this point, having so many people hit my line, like, yo, I want to watch you on Twitch. Let's see how nice you really are. I said, okay, you know what? Y'all are right. Let me, let me figure this out. So I definitely think um, I'm working toward that. I think that's my one like fun fact most people don't get. And my coaches actually just found out recently that I play video games and they were like, I would have never guessed that about you. I'm like, you know, teammates know if my door, my bedroom door closes, I'm like, are you okay? And it's like, yeah, I'm just on the game. Like, don't mind me. <laughs> so I'm not a big Call of Duty fan, but I have played before. And the main reason is because I get killed too quickly and I get, and I get frustrated. Uh, but I hear that like what the what is it kill death ratio is big. So so where are you at? Or is that like one of those questions you don't ask? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, people always have to throw out your KD. Mine will always be positive. <laughs> and yeah, it depends on the player. Or if anything, they'll probably lie to you. But yes, your KD is super important. You always gotta be positive every game because the second it drops, it's hard to get out of. I had to learn that the hard way when I first got into Call of Duty and I'm like, I'm ready to throw my system like over the balcony. Like games get you really intense. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I got to chill for a second. I'm really out here <laughs> losing my mind, <laughs> but it gets real. It gets real. <laughs> I know virtually nothing about games besides me playing Sudoku on my phone because I'm secretly 65 <laughs> years old. Um, <laughs> but switching topics a little bit. Uh, you also mentioned that... Uh, during quarantine and lockdown that you started customizing shoes. So how did you get into that? Um, I've, I'm trying to become a sneakerhead, but I've, I'm not very good at it, but I'm trying to get more into sneakers. <laughs> so can you tell us about uh, how you started customizing shoes? Yeah, it kind of was just a random, hey, why not? I have so many pairs of like old Air Force Ones. Because like you said, I am a big sneakerhead. I collect shoes. I take pride in my little shoe collection. And growing up, I've always been super artistic, always drawing, painting, just doodling in my notes wherever. And so I don't know. I think I just happened to see like a video in one of my recent like YouTube or something like that about customizing shoes and how easy it was just to, um, just to paint on them. <clears throat> so I was like, screw it. Let's get one of my old shoes and just customize them. And I ended up posting it on my Instagram and people were like, where did you get these? And I was like, oh, I did them myself. And they're like, no way. Like, I didn't know you did that. And I was like, damn me either. You know, <laughs> like I just kind of <laughs> did it. And they're like, well, if I send you a pair, like, could you do something for me? I'm like, yeah, for sure. And it slowly just started growing with my friends asking for me to customize their shoes. And yeah, I just happened to be, you know, slightly okay at it. And then once I got here, obviously it kind of stopped and I want to get back into that. But it was super cool just having like friends and random people reach out like, 
ache if I just send you a pair of white shoes, do whatever to them. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I have the freedom to do my own thing, which is super cool as well. So between that and like collecting sneakers is kind of like a nice getaway from the soccer part of my life. But I do catch a lot of L's with sneakers, I can't say. I that's what I don't download that's why I'm not on the app because I hear everyone catches an L I go to the extremes of copying sneakers I'll have it sucks because now like on like our time zone usually I'm like 7 a.m at home in Arizona like the first one to log into the app and now it's like during our like team meetings or film so I'll literally get our equipment manager I'll give her my phone and be like Here's my passcode, 10 a.m. on the dot. This is my <laughs> login information. Get me these shoes if possible. And like take her through the process. And I don't even know why I bother anymore. I catch way too many L's, but I did get my first dub of the year like a couple weeks ago on a pair of ones that I desperately wanted. Ooh. So I was like, okay, maybe I have to like chill. I finally got my win. Like most people still catch these L's. And I was like, I got my one. So the process to try to get sneakers. I mean, I, I just remember, I mean, so I want, I really wanted um, for the first two iterations of Ivy Park, I just really wanted those like kind of classic, almost Samba ones. Mm-hmm. And that was the only thing in my cart and I still did not manage to get them. <laughs> and I was heartbroken and I was like, worst. I don't know if becoming into sneakers <laughs> is for me and my personality. <laughs> I, was, I was so hurt. I wanted them so badly. <laughs> Yeah, and it sucks because people are, like, buying them to resell them for ridiculous amounts of money. And I'm like, y'all, I actually want to wear these. Like, come on, I have to buy a bot at this point. Like, let me know what I can do to ensure I cop the sneakers I want. Yeah, that's kind of the thing with me is I just give up. Like, when, when, it's, when it's bots and when it's resellers and all that, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I can't, like, that's just, that's messed up. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I can't win that fight. <laughs> so I just get defeated fight you'll never win that's for sure um one quick thing i want to talk uh ask about though is can, uh, do you uh mind tell us the theme of the first shoes you customized what did they look like um what did you do and what do you have any like and what's your like if you when you get back into it do you have like a theme you're really anxious to do or get to next hmm, that's a good question well for my first shoe i did almost like a camouflage pattern with my favorite colors So I did like a combination of like blues, blacks, and grays. And then I did the tongue completely black, laces black. Like it looks like a completely different shoe. And it was just a plain white G-Fazo shoe. And so that blew up. And then I was like, let me just go through all my old shoes that I don't really wear as much. And how would I create them to be something I would wear now? So one of my favorite shoes now that I wear all the time, like a favorite pair, they were like a cream color, like high top. And I turned it into different neutral tones, like dark brown, creams, tans. And they're like my favorite pair now that I wear everywhere. And those are the ones that people like were commenting on. Even like in Germany, people were like, oh my God, are those like, they said the Travis Scott's. And I said, no, but I will take that compliment. I said, I just (laughs) straight up painted these in my bedroom. Like, (laughs) but I started progressing from that. It was more so just colors and patterns. And then for actually for my friend Taylor that I was playing with at CU in Germany, 
she gave me a pair and I did. She sent me a picture with like a face, like a lips and smiling and all of that. And I was like, okay, so we're moving the pictures. Let's see if I can do this. And I just do everything freehand. And it actually came out really cool for her shoes. And I posted them and then like two or three other people were like, wait, I want that exact pair. So then it gave me even more practice to where I was like, wow, like people like are actually really into the whole customization thing. And I did probably one of my harder ones. I drew SpongeBob on one of them just to see if I could do characters. <laughs> it actually wasn't bad at all. <laughs> That's like probably one of my favorite shows as childish as it sounds um yeah I've done butterflies now I'm slowly just getting into like more like complex like pictures characters animals all of that so I actually might you guys have re-sparked my interest I might just go out and buy a pair now and do whatever to them I'm kind of thinking about, uh, you know, seeing if we can commission a, a Diaspora United Look, I want to pair my, you know? myself. Like, uh, I want to thinking... pair. <laughs> <laughs> right? right. I'm going to have to send y'all some pictures. I did a really cool um, yeah. UNC pair for like the former player, Satara Murray. I played with her in Houston as well. And she was like, mm-hmm. hey girl, I'm about to send you a pair of shoes, like do whatever to them. And like I did like a UNC blue, did the logo, put her number and initials on it, everything that came out like super dope too. So it's kind of just based off of whatever the person either like specifically asks for, if they're kind of just giving me the freedom, I'm like, okay, well, let me see what I can do. I'm loving that. I'm loving that. And you know what? We, we just might, you might have to really get back into it because I think we're going to have a lot of, uh, <laughs> I think there's going to be some requests because I, I, my, my, Especially because you said we were talking before the pod and you said you do mm-hmm. Air Force Ones and those are like my favorite. And like, so I'm like, my brain's going right now. Yeah, I actually had an IG page up. I do have a shoe page. I kind of obviously took it out of my bio because I don't utilize it as much anymore. But I do. I'll have to send you all that too. You can keep what I've done so far. But yeah, it was like a nice little thing to do in my free time since I had so much of it during quarantine. Between that and 2,000 piece puzzles, I'm like, okay, I need to do something else. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we're like gonna email you after about them shoes because I, the more we talk about them, the more I'm like, I just, <laughs> I need a pair. Um, but switching, you know, wrapping up and uh, we always finish our interviews with a little rapid fire segment. Uh, so right. to start off, well, since we were just talking about sneakers, what is your favorite pair? Easily high top ones. I can believe yeah. it. Those are great sneakers. Uh, what's your favorite What's your favorite song to listen to to like hype you up before match? Ooh, that's tough. Um, as weird as this sounds, I actually listen to a lot of like old school R&B before games or like throwback like 2000s music what is my hype song right now yeah more on the chill vibes before game day honestly unless i need a good like meg the stallion song just to be like okay let's get up and start dancing you know (laughs) then that'll give me any song of hers that's incredible i love meg the stallion with deep my whole heart i'm like please go to a houston dash game and you can call your fan (laughs) page houston hotties (laughs) that's all I want you can't like you have to dance to her songs I don't care if you know her or not once she comes on you're like ooh, like you can't stop moving my new goal in life is to somehow get Megan Thee Stallion to a soccer game (laughs) to a soccer game um so what's your be lit 
we do mention it on like almost every pod. Really? So, so it is like the exclusive, like it's like our our thing. We need, need to make it happen. It happen. I, yeah, we probably have mentioned it on least half of the podcast. Um, but what is your the like your favorite goal that you've scored or hat trick? Because I in our research learned that you scored a hat trick <laughs> in the state final as a freshman. Go off. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that was actually pretty wild. Between that. I had a hat trick my sophomore year at LSU against Lamar. That was pretty dope, too, to say that I've done that in college. But overall, I think just recently when I was in Germany playing against Wolfsburg, I do not shoot long distance. You won't catch me doing it, but I just happened to be like outside of the box, left foot, upper 90, bent over everyone. And I was like, y'all I don't think you understand how hype I was because they don't know like I just I'm not like that as a player but I was like immediately calling my mom and dad I'm like did y'all see that that was my left foot outside the box upper 90 like I think that was probably my best goal so far and to say that it was against Wolfsburg I was like I can end it on that I don't think I could um replicate that ever again a worldie against wolfsburg that might be your episode title honestly a worldie against wolfsburg <laughs> yo it was wild i just found i just found the gif on a on on, a, on twitter yeah. and uh yeah. yo <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna drop it in the chat. This is this is fun, especially Wolfsburg. That was in the it looks like it was in the cup too, mm-hmm. right? And that we were up one zero against them and we were just like, y'all, this is really happening. Like that was probably one of the sickest moments for me in Germany for sure. Like most definitely. Oh yeah, you did oh, find yes, that. You got him with the cup back too. Oh Wolfsburg worldie. Uh, that is that is beautiful. Um, my uh, also the sorry words I can't say them. Um, what's your oh? What's one player that you really want to play with? Play with? Um, oh wow! I don't know. Sorry, I do not know how to work Zoom. <laughs> um, one player. It's all good. Yeah, I know you were just looking at your goal. That's yeah, I shouldn't have you, put you can watch it all repeat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like get me out of this. Yeah, you see it. You see it, Courtney. <laughs> I wish my camera was on so could, I could like tweet out my live reaction to this goal. Oh my gosh. Incredible. I love this. This is why we have the rapid fire questions because I like for whatever reason in all the like research for this, this didn't come up. And I was like, yo, a Wolf- when we asked for your favorite goal, I was not expecting a lefty roadie against Wolfsburg. Like, that's what's up. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad y'all are hyping me that much about it. That is, that it is seriously beautiful. crazy. That's I don't know how you would get that framed, but you should get it framed somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yo, I'm not even lying. They, they need to, like, there's some big, like, the next thing that people need to figure out is how do you frame a GIF, GIF, however you want to say it, like, I need that. We need we need that because you deserve to have that just like on the wall playing on a constant loop for the rest mm-hmm. of eternity. One thousand percent. Um, and our last rapid fire question for you is what game are you most excited about coming up this season? I would say either our Portland game coming up or playing at Houston because I have family out there, too, and trying to get my grandparents to come out to that as well. I think that would be a huge moment because a lot of my family haven't truly been able to see me play in person. So I think I'm looking forward to that. That'd be really cool. (laughs) 
we got very distracted by the goal. <laughs> Extremely. Uh, you know, I realized we. <laughs> I realized we forgot to get your answer for uh, the player you want to play with. I know we asked the oh. question and then we were just like, wait a second. You can name a couple if you got a couple in your mind. Yeah, whew, that's tough. Any player on my team, I would say Crystal. Actually, I'm pretty solid with that answer. Crystal Dunn, she'd just be out there breaking people's ankles, slicing and dicing. Ooh. She can literally do it all no matter where she is on the pitch. I think playing with her next to her against her is unreal. That's why I feel like I'm low-key fangirling. I'm like, wow, I'm about to go to Portland and, like, be on the same pitch with Crystal Dunn. Like, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, no, I think everybody – did you see uh, – did you happen to be uh, – I don't know if you're on Twitter or anything too much, but uh, one the one photo that was going around was when she was playing against the rain and that photo of her running away from Megan Rapino. Did you see that picture? <laughs> <laughs> I – Twitter – I tell people Twitter's undefeated. They catch everything – like they will put you on blast they'll do anything yeah she she's just something else I don't know I give all props to her like you can put her in the midfield defense or forward like she's gonna do you dirty at least once or twice (laughs) between her Dabinia that might be another answer for me but Dabinia snatches people's soul sometimes just effortlessly (laughs) Dabinia's so rude (laughs) disrespectful (laughs) that's awesome so yeah i thank you so much for hanging out with us um this was a really fun interview uh this was everything we we wanted it to be and i'm so glad when we hyped the the this we're absolutely taking that gift and we're we're dropping it so that everybody can see it so yeah absolutely but again (laughs) thank you so much uh, for actually you know what i did have another question I'm sorry. Ebony Salmon is coming. You're y'all, how hyped are y'all about that, about having her join the team? So not be more excited to have her come in. We've actually been messaging each other back and forth here and there. She gets here tonight at some point, and having her come into the offense is about to bring us that much higher to the next level. Like, she was doing players dirty out there, got young player of the year. So I think having her be, she's about to be, like, a crucial addition to our, our team for sure. It's going to be exciting having her out here. Hopefully she'll be with us at training tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's dope. I was so excited. I was like, I almost couldn't believe that when I saw that announcement drop. I kept, you know, sometimes Twitter can get you. And like, you, you don't know if you're looking at a fake account. So I'm over here like refreshing, like looking, is that check real? And I was like, okay, yeah. Uh, apparently Ebony Salmon in the NWSL, I'm here for it. All here for it. She's about to, yeah, she's about to become a star easily out here for sure. As are you. So appreciate and you know what keep shooting from outside the box if you can do a lefty like that against Wolfsburg I don't want to like you you over here talking about I don't really that ain't really my thing if that's what if that's what you can do the Wolfsburg outside the box thing I want to see one I'm sorry I know I'm not the coach and I don't have any right to say anything like that (laughs) but honestly I want to see a shot I want to see it I want to see you incorporate that because I feel like if you can do that in Germany against that team like come on now and then I might have to shout y'all out if that happens. And they'd be like, look, they like, told me to do it, coach. <laughs> <laughs> look, if you score a world, like, also, if you score a worldie in Portland, I would probably pass out. Um, I mean, I would pass out anytime you score a worldie, honestly, because I'm still thinking about that goal. <laughs> uh, so, yes, always go for worldies. We 1000% support it. <laughs> 
but thank you so, so much for talking with us and spending time. This has been so, so much fun. Um, but before we sign off, can you please tell people where they can find you and how they can support you and potentially where they could get a custom pair of sneakers? Because I want one. You know, my shoe page, it's on my IG. It's just at Jorian Bauckham. Super simple, basic Twitter, Jorian Nicole. I feel like I need to come up with better names. That's even my gamer tag. I'm like, wow, everyone knows who I am. I, I don't have anything <laughs> fancy with any of that. And then, you know, our games, Twitch, CBS Sports. Hopefully I'm missing something. No, I think that's about it. Maybe the, like, can y'all show our games on ESPN something? Come on now. We deserve it. Come on now. <laughs> but no, I appreciate y'all for having me, though. This was fun. Yes, thank you so, so much. We so appreciate you. Um, and yes, we're super excited to watch you during racing racing a little you just had to drag me one one final time okay racing it originates like a south american thing it's what they do so if you're gonna bring it here you gotta keep it racing ain't it but you know i wish you're confident with it Got dragged. I still hope you score a worldie. I'm here for it. Uh, if you do, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to be a third co-host because um, apparently, like, talking to us is what does it. You know, like, we hyped you up when you came in. Like Courtney said, she tweeted, you scored. Listen, telling you, if you hit one, we're going to have you right back next week. Seriously, y'all know where to find me. I'm going to have to keep that in mind in the back of my head. And I'm going to be like, y'all, they really told me <laughs> that it's going to happen. <laughs> but no, thanks, y'all. I do appreciate it, though. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. And yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be watching and excited about the rest of the season. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora U-T-D-P-O-D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.